Hello and welcome to At Home With, a podcast from the residential business at Knight Frank. At Home With offers a glimpse inside the lives of some of the world's foremost property experts and their clients. And every week you'll be hearing conversations with interesting people from across the world about how they made it to where they are today, how they found their dream homes and how we can help you find yours. I'm your host, journalist and social media executive at Night Frank, Rebecca Hills. Today we're back with the second episode of season two and we've got an amazing guest in store for you today. For this conversation, I was joined by Tosita Rolls, the head of our Kensington Lettings office. Tosita and I had a hugely inspiring and interesting discussion about how being tenacious in her early 20s kickstarted her career, why she's so well suited to the Kensington market, and we also hear the story of her most exciting and collaborative property success to date. Tosita graduated from university with a view of becoming an equine vet, but soon realised that property was her calling and changed tack to become a lettings negotiator. After a year in the country, she set her sights on London and made the move over to Kensington, beginning her role at Knight Frank over eight years ago. Tosita became Prime Central London's youngest lettings manager in 2013 and has gone on to absolutely dominate the market. Tosita, it's a pleasure to welcome you onto the podcast. Thank you, Rebecca. Lovely to uh, to be here having a chat to you today. How are you doing today? How have things been since we started moving out of lockdown and getting somewhat back to normal? How are things over in Kensington and how are things for you personally? It's certainly different. Um, sort of, I think we're all going through a phase of sort of trying to work into this, what the new normal is. There's some definite changes. Obviously, we've had certain company policies um, to safeguard, you know, our clients and all our staff whilst we undertake going out on valuations uh, and viewing. So there's definitely some changes in place, but I think we're all doing our very best to sort of muddle through these waters at the moment. And I think the market is certainly starting to find a little bit of a rhythm. I think we're going through a little bit of a discovery pattern at the moment whilst we really understand what the full impacts of COVID are and how that is going to affect the property market on a, a wider scale, whether that be in the short term and a slight bounce back and, you know, pent up demand that there there was definitely likely to be uh, and how long that might last before perhaps we then start to see a little bit of a, a different change in that pattern and, and demand level. And how did you find it personally? Did you quite enjoy working from home or were you really excited to get back in the office and get back to that normal way of working? I think it was really met with mixed feelings. I think when we first went into lockdown, it was it was almost slight, slight panic, wasn't it, really? Um, I think we were all slightly out for our depths. Um the joys of sort of adapting your working life to being at home, spending a lot more time at home with partners um, and, uh, you know, trying to uh, also work alongside people um, that, that have different jobs and, and different working schedules and uh, trying to, you know, fit some ounce of being able to get outside and, and, and get some sort of quality downtime, sort of that separation of your working and um, home balance, I think, took a little bit of time for everyone to really get used to. Um, I, I actually ended up having a little bit of a change mid mid lockdown because I'd sold my flat. So I was actually one of the the very few, uh, small amount of people that were hit with a very much of a conundrum halfway through um, of having exchanged pre pre lockdown and then going through my buyer not wanting to push the date back on completion. So 
I, I was faced with that challenge, which a few people were, uh, which which I did overcome. But needless to say, it was slightly more stressful than the ordinary moving experience. Uh, so I actually took that opportunity uh, whilst I was moving a lot of things um, to get down to my parents down in Hampshire. And very luckily, we have a separate annex there that I was able to isolate very safely away from my parents who are a little bit more elderly. And uh, I, so I therefore had a, a bit of a different experience for the next month, uh, which was being home in the countryside, uh, which was very different to London. And I, you know, that, that time was, was a lovely time to be able to have with family, albeit obviously at a safe distance. Um, but I would say that working from home really did give you an opportunity to have some perhaps more relaxed chats with clients. I think business uh, wasn't necessarily the forefront of why you were having conversations. Um, There was very much uh, an emphasis of just wanting to engage with our clients and staying abreast of, you know, what their challenges were um, during this period. And I think one of the, the most beneficial things for me is that I'm very lucky. I have clients all around the globe. So I found that being able to have conversations with people that were having completely different experiences of COVID and how that was impacting their lives and daily routines was actually really beneficial. You know, one moment you'd be talking to a client in Hong Kong who had much more, you know, relaxed procedures and they they certainly had uh, much more of a freedom of movement. Uh, Borders obviously got closed and they had quite uh, strict conditions at first with those people that were returning but you know, in the long run, um, they they did manage to retain a, a, a greater sense of uh, f- freedom lockdown than what we did. And then on the other hand, speaking to clients that were say in France, just outside of Paris, and very much um, having a a very strict regime, it was really interesting um, being able to have that sort of link with clients all around the world and, and sort of sharing your experiences. I think conversations became less about transactions and more about friends and family and the health of those around you and just it really just became sort of more of a human chat Uh, you were able to have conversations that were a lot longer than what you would on your normal sort of very stacked day of appointments so you, you had some really nice relaxed conversations you learned more about your clients their families their pets um everything in the kitchen sink I think but I, I think there were whilst we had our frustrations during this period I I also think there were some really lovely bits to take away and I've built some very good relationships with clients um and learned much more about them as people which I think you can only take as a as a rewarding part of this process. Mm, And it sounds like you've learned so much from the experience. And I'm sure we'll touch on that later on in our conversation, especially in relation to moving house and all of those sorts of things. But to begin the podcast, I'd like to take a step back and find out a little bit more about what it was that made you decide to pursue a career in property in the first place. In all honesty, I think if you ask most estate agents, did they uh, did they grow up as a child and and want to be an estate agent? I think their uh, I think their answer might well be no. But uh, I think uh, certainly um, my view of what I wanted to do very much changed as I was going through my you know uh, education at university, 
the realism that uh, when you finish your your degree um, is that perhaps it's not what you want to do after learning all those things for so many years. Um, and actually, you know, you come back from university a very different person that you that you went went out to be and. For me, I fell into the property industry simply because a very good friend of mine at home um, hadn't gone to university. Um, and she worked through the period of 2004, 2007, when I was at university um, at the height of the market. And I just remember coming home in the summer periods and things and thinking, my goodness, she's doing really, really well. She was flying and, you know, started to have, you know, nice cars and nice jewellery and nice clothes and I thought to myself, well, that, that looks like a good job. Um, she worked very, very hard. Absolutely. She put in some a great degree of hours. But it made me just think, well, I'm not quite 100% sure what I want to do. That seems like a, a fun job and getting to go into people's houses and, uh, and, and um, you know, a sales experience process. It seemed to appeal to me. So I decided to go and just sort of try my luck in it and see where I went. And sort of 13 years later, here, here I am, um, very much still in the property industry. And how did you find those early years, especially having not come from doing a property degree or kind of having that initial experience? Did you find it overwhelming getting into it or did you take to it quite easily? When I sort of had woken up one day and thought, right, I'm going to be an estate agent. I didn't just want to be any old estate agent. Um you know, I looked through the likes of the country life and saw the lovely glossy brochures of the lovely country houses. And I thought, well, that's what I want to do. Um, so when I set out about trying to get a job within the industry, I very much sort of uh, put a benchmark for myself as to the brands that I wanted to work for. And those were um, Knight Frank, Savills. Um, and I think I did actually interview also with, with Hamptons. Um, but anyway, I certainly with, with a couple of other of our, our, our known good competitors. And uh, at that point, um, obviously, you have no industry experience on your CV or just, you know, some kid that's just come out of university and had a, an airbrain idea that actually I want to go and uh, be in property. So I, I contacted the recruitment agent um, of the firm where I started my life in property. Um, and needless to say, when I submitted my CV, he didn't respond to me, which after a couple of days, um, I found truly frustrating. Um, so I, I basically set upon myself to call that recruitment agent every day and leave him a best voice message until finally he did actually pick up the phone to me. And what was sort of when I asked him, you know, I've sent you my CV and I haven't heard back from you. Um, I think he was quite affronted uh, at just how uh, um, demanding I'd been. And uh, I'll never forget that conversation. Uh, I said to him, um, Julian, uh, thank you for looking at my CV, but really I would love the opportunity to meet you in person. So I'm going to continue leaving you um, voicemails every day until you agree to give me five minutes of your time and go for a coffee. <laughs> Um, and he well did. Uh, he laughed, uh, obviously, and said, well, you're, you seem very determined, so I'll, I'll give you your five minutes. Uh, and the rest was history. I, I had a very good interview. Uh, I, I was offered the job um, at that time to be a sales negotiator in, in a, their newly opening office in Newbury, which was quite close to my where my parents live. And as we were nearing the process of me 
getting on board. Uh, actually, the, the phasing of that office opening was pushed back. So I was then offered to go and be a lettings negotiator in their Winchester office. Uh, so it it wasn't my plan um, A as such, but I thought, well, you know, let's let's give it a go. Uh, the Julian had advised that it would give me a great platform uh, into the property world, and so be it. Uh, that's that's where I started, and I and I never left Lettings. I I started there in two thousand and seven, um, and then obviously within a year, um, you know, I wanted to get up to the big city. Um, so I did a year down in the countryside in, in sort of Winchester and surrounding beautiful villages and seeing country estates. And, you know, that was lovely. You know, then you sort of went to, to work and you occasionally had to get the wellies out of the boot to go on a viewing. Um, I can't say I do that now. I'm firmly in my high heels. But uh, I um, it was a it was a great foundation to my career. And then. You know, I came up to the London, uh, was enjoying, you know, the throes of a really strong market. And then the 2008 crash hit and, uh, you know, Lehman's went down and very, very quickly uh, the market turned into a very different place. And all I remember thinking was, my goodness, I'm so glad that I somehow had found my feet into the lettings business because I saw a huge degree of changes um, in teams that were around me. And obviously the sales market did take a, you know, a very, very much a nosedive. And I found myself in a market where uh, luckily um, I was able to buffer the storm. And I've, I've never really felt the need to leave lettings. Um, sort of uh, 13 years later, um, it's still challenging me. (laughs) And there's so much in what you just said that I'd love to pick up on. But in particular, I'm really fascinated by your initial tenacity um, about getting that interview and pestering the the recruitment consultant. (laughs) I think that's, I think it's amazing. I think a lot of people wouldn't have that confidence to do that, especially at 21, fresh out of uni. Where do you think that confidence came from? Have you always been like that? Um, I have a my my siblings, um, especially my brother, is a is a very astute businessman, um, and I think he's really been a mentor in my life. To just you know, if you want to go and get something, then you get out there and and you do it. And I remember sort of you know, I I didn't really know what recruitment agents were at that age, and you know, um, I I sort of had benchmarked where I wanted to work, and I called the offices, and if they didn't respond to me. And I sort of tracked this chap down and I thought, well, you know, he, he he's the person I need to know. Um, I think he was quite shocked, really. But I guess, yes, it, it probably did display that I had um, a personality that was very suited to the industry. Um, I really do enjoy meeting new people all the time and uh you know being out and about um I, i'm certainly not one to um sit at a desk all day which is part of the reason why lockdown has been quite so frustrating but um it it certainly i think gave me um a very good a good uh, entrance into the market and i think whilst he was very surprised um I think he was actually very glad that I had been so persistent because I went on to be an exceptional performer in that company. Um, 
and and here and here I am where I am today. Mm, and alongside that, do you think that confidence comes from your ambition? Obviously, you said that you always made a list of where you wanted to end up, and you weren't going to stop until you got to London and got to the big firms that you wanted to. Do you think you were so confident and determined because you had that ambition in the back of your mind? Absolutely. I think life is about setting your own goals, and you know, people's goals can be very different from one person to the other, and you have to do what's right for you and feels right. I think sometimes you have to be prepared to put your push yourself out of your comfort zone, and I think probably being quite so um, ballsy was it was a little bit out of my comfort zone. Um, gosh, would I do it now? Um, probably not. My 21 year old self probably um, uh, made me a little bit more confident. Um, perhaps I didn't really know about what you did and didn't do in a corporate company at that age. But um, certainly, I, I think setting yourself some goals of what you want to achieve, um, really from the onset, and, and they can be measured goals that you are you know, whether it's doing monthly, whether it's doing yearly, you know, you setting some objectives of, of where you want to get to, I think is really healthy. Um, I think it's impossible to necessarily start your career and try and map out exactly where you want it to go. But I certainly think you can identify a brand that you think uh, suits you as a person. Um, very much, you know, the company ethos of of where I started and and what that brand. Um, to my knowledge, um, recognised was something I really wanted to be involved in. And for me, there was no question in my mind. I, I, I didn't just want to go and work for any agent. I wanted to go and see the best of the best. And I wanted to, to work alongside some really established people in the business. And I think from, I mean, I haven't moved around much in my career. Um, I have been at Knight Frank now for nearly eight and a half years, all at Kensington, and prior to that, I was actually poached by Knight Frank um, from a local competitor where I had been for four and a half years. So, so there's a great deal of my time that's all been within Kensington. Um, so, uh, but in that time, you know, I have been very privileged to work alongside some fantastic people, you know, fantastic operators in the business. You know, all that have their own styles. You know, one agent isn't the same as the other, and. I think, you know, there are some negotiators that are suited to some clients and, and others with, you know, that, that aren't. Um, I think Knight Frank has such an array of different types of, of, of people that have come from, you know, different backgrounds. And I, I think that, you know, you, you, there's a lot to learn along the way, um, viewing what some people do in their everyday transactional business how they handle clients. But but for me, um, I always wanted to, to work for a, for a brand like Knight Frank. That was, that was absolutely um, my goal. And do you think having some sort of innate confidence, being quite ballsy, being quite um, tenacious, having that ambition, do you think those are the ingredients for success within the property industry? I think one of the fundamental parts about business and being successful in business is people want to do business with with nice people. Um, whilst there is an element of, yes, it's just business, but I think when you really, really hit the nail on the head of your industry, people come back to you because they've enjoyed working with you. And they will always remember the experience of that transaction, um, what it was during the transaction, what your follow-up was after that. Uh, and I think that there is certainly definite um, personality draws that, that, that 
link with that naturally. And I do, I do think you have to be ambitious. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be, uh, you know, a person that's all about in your face as such. I think there's definite subtleties there. Business really is about people wanting to come back and do business with you because they've enjoyed the experience of working with you. But I, but I do think you know you have to stand out. You know, in order to be memorable um, to clients and to hold on to good clients throughout their their sort of progression through their own lives. You know, I've got clients whereby you started off renting them a one bedroom flat. And then a few years later, you know, you move them up to their next set in life and you've watched their career grow and then you've watched their family grow. Um, I've been very lucky that I've relocated uh, one one particular lovely client of mine in the, in the sort of uh, film media industry. Um, I started off, you know, with him freshly married. Um, then, you know, they had their first baby. Then I moved them to another bigger house. And then they had yet another baby. And I moved them to another house. And then in that seven-year period, I, I, I moved them three times. Um and each time it was really lovely working with them because they were at a different stage of their life. And I really enjoyed the fact that as soon as they had a requirement to change their lifestyle uh, and home, that I, you know, I, I was the first person that they always picked up the phone to. And even if I didn't have the right house on our book, I, I found it for them. Um, and I don't think there's anything more rewarding in business than to have a repeat client give you a call out of the blue one day and, uh, you know, tell them the group, you know, bring you some great news. You know, we've had another baby or, you know, uh, have had a great promotion at work and we're looking to upsize. Um, that's what it's all about for me. Mm, and so I suppose it's that quiet confidence and that skill of empathy that really helps you to to have those relationships with those clients. It's kind of making sure that you you listen and you can relate to what they're going through rather than just trying to sell the whole time, which I think is often what people think about when they think of property. Yeah, I think I've had my own bad experiences of people in property whereby it, you sort of very much feel that you're just a sort of uh, uh, a number, a number game. And um I think it, if when you have those experiences yourself, it, it's it's such a reminder that um, you know it's a very stressful time when you're dealing with people and when they're moving. You know they generally are at their most stressed. Um, you have to understand that, and I think sometimes you know uh, getting getting to a point whereby both parties on the on the transaction are are happy sometimes isn't always easy. There is a great deal of negotiation. Um, bridging of compromises um, that you do have to manage um, between both parties. And sometimes that's that's not always as easy as what you would like it to be. Um, so I think you have to, you can't always go in with a very forceful sort of uh, mindset to it. That you, sometimes there does have to be flexibility. And I do think you need to be empathetic to situations that people are going through. Um, and, uh, and also, you know, what the goal is that everybody wants to achieve at the end of the day. Um, so it's, it's not all about being a huge personality. Um, it's, it's also about, you know, having a, a very other understanding side to you and working together to, to achieve the, the right result at the end of it. And so to somebody who's just starting out their property career, maybe just left university or just left school and kind of sees your career trajectory and here's what you're saying and thinks, I'd love to do something similar. What 
advice would you give to them? Recruitment agents probably won't like me to hear this, but I think have the confidence to go and 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 sell yourself. One thing that I have always been very aware of um, when recruiting people, and obviously I do get sent a number of CVs, is that I have so much more time for somebody that has taken the time to personally get in touch with you, to research you and your career and identify where they want to work. Um, you know, obviously all my experiences in prime central London and, and a lot of people, you know, that is the big bright lights of the city and, and where they the where they want to work. But rather than just sort of sitting back and letting someone do the work for you, you know, have have the goal and ambition to identify a company that you think suits you and a location that you feel proud to work within and you're really excited about you know that area and and everything that that it, it, it is it has to resonate with you and I think if somebody picks up the phone or you know emails you and really has the confidence to just do that over and their own back you know because it relates to where I started from whenever somebody emails me and sort of you know they might not have any industry experience I will always take the time to speak to our HR and sort of say look you know we've received this I don't have anything that's relevant at the moment and I'll always try and reply back to them um, even if it's you know a no because I think it's really important to do that no matter how busy you are you have to remember we all started out at the bottom. And that's that's one thing for me. If, if you're very good at your job, then I don't think you need somebody to sell you. I think you should sell yourself because we are all here, you know, in a sales position. And I think if you can't demonstrate um, what a fantastic operator you are yourself, then I, then I do question that slightly. Um, I always much love to see someone that has has applied for something um, off their own back and uh, has taken the ambition and determination to to put themselves where they want to be. Mm, I think that's such an interesting point and I've not heard it articulated in that way before actually I suppose it makes sense that if you're going to be getting into sales then you have to be the best salesperson of yourself and to that point you kind of alluded to there that you would always try and support younger people in their career have you had any mentors in your career that have really helped you? I think certainly getting up to the next stage of uh, you know I'm, I'm just off the back of Kensington finishing as the the most uh, the, the highest banking office and, and uh, number one uh, for the company from the list financial year just gone so fresh off of that success but I would say that you know my my regional head um david mumby um has been you know instrumental in in us just achieving a fantastic result this year um with all my team um i think david does you know display some some really good qualities of mentoring people um ensuring that they get the best out of their career and and nurturing you through that um he's a great advisor that you know whenever i have a problem and believe me in lettings, there's you, there's you never truly have come up against every situation. Um, I think anybody in in the sales side of the business will always have stories of just you know lettings. Um, my goodness, the, the curveballs that you get, um, people's situations, how things unfold, disasters sometimes on the day of moving with things that are just so outside of your control. Whenever I think I've seen it all, I've never seen it all, um, and I and I have to say um 
Dave is fantastic for me in, in that sense of, uh, you know, having somebody who's been through it all um, and always has at the end of the phone um, some pretty good advice to give you is definite, definitely a, a key to you growing in your own career without doubt. So I'd, I'd, I'd probably say Dave's been a great influence to me. Mm, and you mentioned there that you have to be prepared for all sorts of things to happen, all sorts of things to go wrong. And I suppose that's linking into the skill of adaptability. Would you say that you're quite an adaptable person or is that something you've learned as you've gone through your career? I think I've probably always had that as a bit of a strength. I mean, I, I went traveling on my own. You know, I, I did my traveling actually in Zimbabwe. I mean, my parents really weren't very happy about that when I told them where I was <laughs> destined to go for for the summer. And um, I did that on my own. Um, I don't think I really had thought about, you know, the actual idea that I was getting on a plane and arriving in a country I didn't know and and to be honest not really knowing who I was meeting on the other side until I pretty much got to Victoria Falls Airport and thought my goodness where on earth am I and what am I doing um so I, I think I've always been one of those people that slightly does push push themselves out of their own comfort zone so I, I think that's only grown as I've gone through my career, um, without doubt. And to talk a little bit more about your career specifically at Knight Frank and your work in the Kensington office, you made the move in 2012. What in particular inspired that move and had you worked in Kensington before? Yes, so I had actually done four and a half years in Kensington with a competitor. And actually, when I first had discussions with Knight Frank, it was actually to work in their, uh, be the manager of their St. John's Wood lettings office. Um, and I got down to the final two of that and um, need to to say I obviously didn't didn't get it um and my goodness I, I am glad that I didn't they are very different markets and I certainly know you know what I know now that I didn't then I, I I don't think I'm a North London operator I do think um everyone in prime central London um and and sort of the north region and and the southwest region everybody has different attributes that really make them skilled in their own areas and uh I didn't actually get the first job that I they pulled me in for. In fact, I actually saw probably maybe four or five people at Night Frank until I landed where I did. So that's probably another thing. Don't get disheartened. If it's the first one is no, never accept that. I remember when I didn't get that job, um, I called up Tim Hyatt about three months later and sort of said, well, hi, I'm still here. Um, so I didn't get St. John's Wood. Um, but, you know, is there anything else? <laughs> um because I think by that point, I'd, I'd been approached by the, them and really loved the company. I, I really fell in love with it when I started having you know, discussions with them. And I, I really wanted to move tonight, Frank. And I was going to do everything I could to get my, my feet in the door there. So I actually, um, territorial as, as well within my contract, I, I, I did have to do six months away from, from Kensington. But I actually, I first came tonight, Frank, I actually... Um, moved to the Notting Hill office. And most people would not necessarily believe that two offices that are located so closely together can be so very different. I worked when I first started um, alongside um, a colleague, uh, Herbie Holder, uh, Elizabeth Holder um, in her her full corporate uh, name. And um, we get on very well to this day. Um, But we, uh, you know, Herbie is not is Notting Hill through and through. Um, And I'm just Kensington through and through. Um, I think if you split both of us in the middle, I'd have a W8 stamped to me and she'd have a W11. Um, 
they're so different. Um, Kensington is incredibly corporate, um, which is just me. And I just didn't necessarily um, fit in in Notting Hill. I I was very out of my depth. And I would be the first to admit that. Um, Lots of sort of media, uh, quirky, quirky property, quirky people. um, But, you know, Herbie um, just, you know, runs with. Um, she's in fantastic at, at, with that area. But I just remember thinking, my goodness, um, what, what have I done? Um, have I made the right choice? Um, I remember all of that going through through my head. And actually, Tim Hyatt was instrumental in, you know, giving me the time I needed to find my feet. I think he did have confidence that uh, I was a great operator, but I needed uh, time to adjust into a new company, time to adjust to a new area. I think Tim is very good with what I think we would refer to as a cabinet shuffle. So I sat in Notting Hill and he told me to just, you know, take my time and you know, not be reactive and, uh, you know, give it a, a little bit more time to settle in. And I did. I, I, I stayed there uh, until he sort of called me, I don't know, maybe... Uh, six months after being in t- tonight, Frank, and said, I need you in Kensington. And um, that was it. I moved um, back. I was um, very excited. And on the day, six months of the day, I, I, I landed in the Kensington office um, and felt automatically so much more at home. Really, it, the, the, it was a remarkable difference to me. And uh, I was there operating as a negotiator for two months. And then I was uh, I had a, a diary invite put in my diary two days before we broke for Christmas uh, to, to be up at head office at 8 a.m. Um, to see Tim. And, you know, as you do, you, you sort of start to sort of get a bit anxious and go, oh, dear on a diary appointment with Tim Hyatt at eight o'clock. I really hope I'm not getting fired. Um, so um, I reassured, um, I, I sort of turned up um, the next day and thought, my goodness, is, is my time done at night, Frank, already after only six months? Um, I, I truly hope not. Um, and I remember walking in and, and sort of saying to Tim, I hope you're not firing me just before Christmas because that would be really harsh. And he laughed. And um, actually, it couldn't have been further from, further from that. Um, I was told that day that, as of January the 1st, I would be coming back to be the manager of Kensington. And and that that was history. You know, that, that's nearly eight years ago. And I just remember leaving that office being completely um, amazed at just how lucky I'd been, you know, at just, I think, 20, just before I was 28 years old to given that opportunity. I was the youngest manager in, in Prime Central London at that time. And I remember saying to Tim, you know, right, OK, um, I, I've got this. Um, and Tim said to me, and I'll never forget his words, he went, you'll either sink or swim and just sort of looked at me and smiled in the way that he does. And um, I just remember saying, well, I best get my armbands on. And off I went. And 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 that's where I am today. And uh, my goodness, you know, I've, I've grown and learned so much in that time period. Um, and I've been very, very lucky to really have some fantastic people in my team during that time. Um, one thing I'm very good at, actually, is recruiting great people, I have to say. Um, whilst um, they feel like children that eventually do need to leave the nest, but majority of people that have worked in my team have done so for, for quite a few years Um and then they've gone on to other areas of the business um, because, you know, as with everything, everyone grows in their careers. But I've had Nick Beckett, who was a fantastic um, neg in Kensington, go on to then work in sales to now be our sort of roaming super prime negotiator. Um, I've had Rosie Chance, who also did 
you know, several years in Kensington, who's now, you know, gone and had a bit of a change and gone to Belgravia. And then I've had a fantastic admin and a lovely girl called Isabella. Um, and she came to me and I, I remember reading her CV and she she was fresh out of university. And I just remember looking at her CV and thinking, my goodness, this girl's really overqualified for this position. And I don't know how much longer I'm going, you know, how long I'm going to be able to keep her. And I remember having a very upfront conversation with her and she'd um, studied um, politics. And I said, you know, well, why don't you want to do politics? Um, now that you've studied it and she sort of deadpan answered and said well would you <laughs> kind of thing um, and I just laughed because obviously that was very similar to um, how I felt about what I'd studied when I got out of university and you know the reality of no that's not what I wanted to do and I knew that she was not going to be challenged for too long in that role um, and she wanted to really get into the commercial side of the business I sort of really wanted her to exceed at what she wanted to do so I knew it was sort of I was always on a bit of a running clock with her and she uh, applied actually for the graduate scheme um, and then very sadly didn't get that opportunity. Um, so I said to her, look, I will make some calls for you and, you know, don't be too disheartened. You know, we'll find a way to, to find a fit for you in the business. Uh, you know, you're extremely um, she was incredibly studious um, and, and hardworking. And I said to her, you know, don't worry, I'll, we'll find something anyway. I sort of made one phone call and uh, that was it. She got the job and off she went. And I only had a month's notice. So I completely and utterly shot myself in the foot, sending her to somebody. Um, and she was taken just like that. Um, but uh, I have to say, um, your success is only a small combination of the people that you are surrounded with. Um, it's a team effort and I'm very lucky. Uh, I've had some fantastic people around me. Wow, those are some amazing stories. And I think actually people will really appreciate how vulnerable and honest you are about not necessarily fitting in in the Notting Hill office and that it's actually, you have to kind of just kind of take things sometimes and adapt and move and work out what's going to be best for you and just sit there and be uncomfortable in that feeling for a while in order to grow. And on the topic of collaboration and working together and being part of a team, um, as you mentioned towards the end of that story, We've spoken before about um, an incredible deal that you did in collaboration with Herbie, who you also mentioned in that conversation. Would you be able to tell us a little bit more about how Knight Frank has helped you to collaborate and work across teams and, and what value that can add to your clients? Uh, significant value, um, really. I, I think uh, to my previous company, um, I was very much a, a, a slightly lone operator shall we say you were very insensitized for your own reasons um and when i came to night frank um I, I did have to, to go through a bit of an educational process of um, there's no I in team. <laughs> and uh, there, there definitely was um, some transitional learning there. And uh, what I do love about Knight Frank is, is the, the great depth of the company. And there is never a property need that you can't um, be helped with by Knight Frank. There's so many different umbrellas to which aids you um, to be able to to help you with your job. And I think the, the combination of being able to link yourselves with your neighboring offices, especially, um, is really instrumental. And I think it's it's such at the benefit of the client because we're all here, you know, it's not your client, it's the firm's client. Um, and we're all here to sort of handhold them as part of their way through uh, the process of, you know, what their property need is at the time. And I, I have a great relationship with Herbie um, and we've done um, 
you know, a fantastic deal last year. And that really was a setup of uh, quite a few links, actually, that, you know, the applicants came through our US uh, affiliates, uh, Douglas Elliman, uh, that came into the then the private office um, that then came to me. And I conducted a pretty big search for this lovely family that were moving over from New York. And they really only came over once. And I, I sort of spent the day going around various houses with them. Um, and they slightly had slightly different, you know, what they liked and what they didn't like, um, as you you know very often do with husbands and wives, and you know you have to really sort of lock in on 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 perhaps sometimes what what the best property in the middle of um, compromising on on getting what they both want out um, out of something. And I actually did find them a house in Kensington because um, the first one that they'd offered on sadly we didn't manage to secure, and I ended up having to do all these video viewings for them. Um, so I, I guess I kind of had a bit of a, a post um, a you know, sorry, pre-COVID um, experience of all this, uh, you know, having to do video viewings. Anyway, they, they had to phone back to New York and, and they put so much trust in me that um, I was going around and doing all these video viewings and, you know, having really good chats about, you know, how the light fell into the property on each level, what the views were from each corner of the house what the noise level were, what I felt were the strengths of the property, what I felt were the weaknesses. I was really trying to be very transparent about that with them um, and sort of bleated on for sort of a good 10 minutes on each house that I went through. Um, and they, lo and behold, they, they took a house in Kensington or offered on a house on Kensington simply through one of these video viewings. And I remember being like, oh, my goodness, this is so much pressure. I mean, can you imagine if they fly all the way from New York, you know, with daughter in tow and then they move into this house and they hate it. So um, with that in mind, I, I just I wasn't 100 percent that this was the house for them. I, I, I kind of felt it was sort of 70 percent. And being this type of person that I am, I just wasn't really happy to accept that. I, I, I really wanted to find them a home that they were going to be really excited about moving to. And it was going to be a home that they were going to put roots down in for the next few years and be very happy there. So we were sort of starting the processes of going through with this first deal. And then I just wasn't happy. <laughs> and I think um, I think they slightly sort of found it a bit strange because I I sort of said, look, you know, I've had a chat to our Notting Hill office um, uh, because I've been sent this details of this wonderful house in Labrick Gardens. And it's actually on for sales, but they haven't quite got what they wanted on the sales market. So they're now they're considering possibly renting it. Um, so I looked over the brochure and I just thought, this is their house. You know, this is everything they want. It's just them. It's got them written all over it. So I sent the brochure and I think she was quite shocked in the sense that I think she thought, well, see, you've already found our house. You know, what on earth are you doing? Um, and I, you know, probably had a bit of a wobble of like, um, you know, we, you know, do you not want us to proceed with the other house? Um, so uh, I, I went and did a video viewing. Um, they'd fallen in love with the brochure. And I said, look, you know, I really want to try and make this happen. So I went and did a video viewing. Um, they loved the house. Um, and again, they put faith in me again. They, they actually offered on the house um, without seeing it. Um, and that was fantastic collaboration between myself, Arthur Lintel, who had very kindly, you know, been working really hard with those clients on a sales basis. And then, you know, hadn't managed to quite connect the deal on a sales basis. But knowing that, you know, this would be a client life and we would no doubt go on to sell this house in the future um you know he then connected with with elizabeth and 
then she knew that I had somebody and, and, and the rest is history. Um, they flew over from New York, um, pretty much by the point that the, the house was being signed for. Um, and they loved it. And, um, they all their furniture that fitted in it marvelously. I actually had to get, they had, they had this furniture, which was, uh, sort of three meters high. And as you can imagine, um, that, doesn't necessarily fit in just your average house. It was it, it was very high, and I had to get on a step ladder with Herbie at the bottom of the step ladder, with a measuring tape, trying to see whether these massive uh, units and beautiful um, antique furniture pieces they had would fit in, because they needed to know whether they wanted to put them in the shipment or whether they left them in the US in some storage facility. So, I mean, we did slightly go beyond the call of duty with that deal, but. Um, I don't think I've ever been as happy um, with my work on that deal because I, I genuinely really did feel that um, client and tenant were so incredibly happy. Uh, they love that house. Um, their daughter's so, so happy there. She, you know, she's able to walk to school, which was something that um, they really wanted to be able to do after living in New York and sort of bustling through traffic every day. So I, I think Night Frank, truly encompasses um looking after the client and uh we are able to be here and help in so many different variety of ways amazing i love that story even after hearing it already before it's just such a great story and such a great example of how when we work together things go so much better and it's all about listening to your clients and working out what's best for them rather than just jumping into a, a sale or a or a letting just because you want to do it immediately and that it might not necessarily be the right place for that person and to bring things back onto you you mentioned in your introduction that you you've moved or you've sold your home during during covid and this lockdown have you bought your your new house yet and if so why did you decide to buy so I, I I wasn't in a chain situation actually, um, and I've actually subsequently I've rented something um, for the time being. I if I'm going to be honest, I'm going to sit and see see what happens. Um, I'm not going to leap into something. Um, uh, I'm going to just take a little bit of time out. I mean, I was hoping to go on a really nice holiday, but that's been put to bed, isn't it? Um, but uh, I think I'm just going to um, sit back, see what happens monitor the market, uh, see obviously if I might be able to um, obviously buy when it softens. Um, but but I, but I think for now, um, I've got a great interim solution, very happy where I am at home, quite close to the office now, which is great. So uh, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to sit and wait a little bit longer, I have to say. <laughs> and when you start looking for your house, what sort of things are you going to be looking for? What is on your criteria list? Oh my gosh, wonderful outside space. Um, I think that's definitely something that's really at the core of my, uh, my request. Um, I, I, the property I sold, actually, I had done a massive renovation on. Um, my goodness, I learned a lot of things doing that. <laughs> So um, I think the first thing would be I don't want to do another renovation. I, I think I need the wounds to close a little bit from the first one. So my my first priority is is some great outdoor space, that be it whether or not it's it's already immaculate or whether I can certainly add some value by by putting my own style and and, and taste to it. And the, and the second thing is is uh, not moving into something that uh, has not been touched for thirty years. Um, I don't think I'm certainly um, in any any hurry to do that again. So. 
um, those those definitely will be the top two in my my list. And are there any properties at the moment that you're you're working on that you've been instructed on that you'd like to talk a little bit more about? Which ones are you most excited about at the moment? Oh, I've got a wonderful house at the moment on Upper Fillmore Gardens. Um, I've been very uh, successful actually um, along Upper Fillmore Gardens. I did two transactions last year that were pretty much two of the biggest houses that, uh, that that transacted in terms of lettings in prime central London last year. So um, I definitely feel I've got a good foot in along that road. Um, but we have a beautiful house at the moment. Uh, it's a lovely detached house. It's about 8,800 square feet. And they've done a beautiful renovation. Um, and that is currently on the market at the moment. Hopefully, I'm going to find a wonderful tenant for it soon. Um, it's just got a really lovely feeling to it. I think one of the things for me is, yes, you do sell property, but to a certain extent, a, a property does sell itself. Um, that's not the process, but I always feel that when you walk through the door of a property, you pretty much know straight away um, in those first few seconds whether someone's really open to sort of discovering a little bit more about that property or whether or not they're quite closed. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, and gosh, I walk into houses all day long um, of all different sizes and shapes. And I think, you know, sometimes you, you walk in and you just have this straight feeling of gosh this has got such a lovely feel to it this feels like a home and you know sometimes these massive houses it's very difficult for these places to feel like a home you know sometimes they're so you know staged and beautiful but do you really feel like you can live in it um and live in it as a family and this house i think has beautifully encompassed that it's it is newly refurbished uh and immaculate However, just the bones of the house are great. You know, you walk in and you just got this feeling of grand proportions and high ceilings and period flair. And that is something that I love. I'm not a contemporary person. I don't mind it if it's mixed in with a little bit of period, but you're never going to get me in a glass box. Um, so when people renovate things and they leave the beauty of period um detail in there I, I I'm always just overwhelmed I can't wait to find a lovely family that are they're going to love making it their home so to begin to wrap up every podcast we do a quick fire round and the first question of which is London or country oh do I have to choose uh gosh um well I think I'm country at heart. I'll go back there one day, but for now, it's definitely London. Classic or contemporary? Classic. With contemporary, it mixed in. You need to give me an in-between choice there. <laughs> Penthouse or townhouse? Townhouse. Call or email? Oh, um, call, but just don't, uh, voicemails. Um, don't love voicemails. I'm not very good with them. Always please leave me a WhatsApp. <laughs> <laughs> Office or working from home? Oh, again, I kind of like it in between. Um, ah, I think it's so much nicer to be able to see everyone's faces every day and just, you know, have the element of office banter as well. I think I think it is lovely to have that, but it is actually quite nice to work from home for one day and have a bit of peace and quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Tea or coffee? Oh, well, I have a process. It's tea first thing and then it's coffee stacked all day. <laughs> <laughs> um, swimming pool or tennis court? Oh, you don't keep giving me these both options. Um, gosh, uh, oof. Um, I'd say pool. Walk or run? Oh, I hate running. 
I hate running. I'm not a runner. Never will be. Um, I, I, I'm I'm a walker. Definitely, if you're out in the countryside. Otherwise, I'm I'm on my spin bike. Oh, at least we got one definite answer then. Got <laughs> <Holland laughs> there eventually. Holland Park or Kensington Gardens? Holland Park. So the final question that we ask everybody to round up the episode is what does being a partner in property mean to you? To me, being a partner in property covers so many different aspects. I I think in, essentially that there's quite a stigma associated with estate agents in general. I think when somebody asks you what you do for a living and you say you're an estate agent, it's one of those sort of slight reactions from people where you're almost wondering uh, sort of what their perception is of you as a person already um, because so many people have unfortunately um, not always had the greatest of experiences. So to me, um, I, I, I think you are sort of slightly fighting that stereotypical bad service which is so present unfortunately in the market and I think when you do stand out as being somebody exceptional in that marketplace then I I think it puts you in the perfect position to really maintain a fantastic relationship with the client that will sort of start on a journey that continues through that person's life, uh, through their stages where they may be growing from being uh, living on their own to uh, sort of becoming living with a partner to then having children to then downsizing, to moving out to the country. Um, property is such a journey. It really is. And it is something that it, we are all so connected to. Um, so to have such a bad stigma to it sometimes um, when it is such a pivotal thing in people's lives, um, I think is such a shame. And it, I think if you truly listen to your to your applicants uh, and your clients, I do think it is such a rewarding job. I think when I've had my own experiences of uh, the customer journey, I think you're so much more hypersensitive to good customer service when you're already within that sort of experience yourself. Uh, I think you do really appreciate when you get somebody that you come off the phone with and you think, wow, that was easier than I thought. That was... Uh, a lot um, better experience than I could have imagined. Um, It was, you know, speaking to somebody that knows what they're doing. I think it's very often than not that people just don't listen enough. And I think that's really evident in property. Customer service and the property uh, path, shall I say, should be exactly the same for somebody that is renting or... um, a studio as they are you know our high ultra high net worth individuals that experience should be exactly the same from that sort of start to finish process that's not to say that in property things don't go wrong um they do and unfortunately there are times where some deals fall apart and you lose some sleep over them uh you are dealing with people that are very most stressed understandably and sometimes they don't work out and sometimes that's incredibly frustrating and seeing people go through you know it's an emotional process with property there's a lot that's connected to it and when you are seeing people go through that journey and it doesn't quite go as seamlessly as you want you've got to be able to be human at the other end of the phone and people have got to have trust in you to understand that 
you have done absolutely everything that you can and sometimes there are some factors outside of that which are just beyond your control so I think being a partner in property to me is being able to connect your client with their truly what they want um, it's connecting a client with their dreams with their aspirations and connecting that with the best customer experience journey that is possible so that they come back to you time after time brilliant to see so thank you so much no problem thanks for your time it's been lovely chatting to you Thanks so much for listening to this episode of At Home With. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also love it if you shared this episode on social media, and please check out the show notes for more information. I'll be back next Wednesday with another exciting episode.